so in order for aliens to be visiting Earth and abducting people and probing butts, um, you'd need two things. First of all, you'd need aliens, right? That would be a requirement. And they'd have to be here and want to probe butts, I guess, three things. So... Wait, I think probing butts is a given, right? Like, that's... I mean, if I was an alien, that's what <laughs> I would do with my omnipotent okay. technology. Just want to make sure that's clear. <laughs> right. Uh, so the prior of aliens wanting to probe butts one, is, is yeah. one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back to another Reason to Doubt podcast. I'm Jordan here with my buddy Jared, and today we thought we might take a bit of a lighter turn. Our last two episodes uh, were specifically geared to pissing off virtually everyone in the country. Um, so now we're just going to focus on people outside of the planet Earth and talk about aliens. So shouldn't piss off anybody well nobody that's um you know of this earth well is there anybody else out there (laughs) uh so that's a good question um part of what prompted this discussion is often in my my talks with um theists particularly i get accused of hypocrisy um because it'll often come out that i think aliens probably exist spoiler i guess and they usually say something like well how do you say you don't believe in god because there's no evidence for that but you believe in aliens you know you just have a (laughs) bias against god that's what it is so i thought it might be fun to just kind of talk about why i think there's a difference or why we think there's a difference between believing in aliens and believing in a deity right spoiler alert evidence (laughs) (laughs) right right that's probably going to be the key difference here i think the big thing to to point out too is that evidence doesn't have to be like hard evidence like you don't have to touch something for it to be evidence right you can have different kinds of evidence and that plays into having different levels of certainty so if you don't have that hard evidence, you may not be as certain, but that doesn't mean you can't draw any kind of conclusion. You just have to adjust your confidence accordingly. Right. All right. So with that in mind, let's talk about aliens. Um, so before we, well, I guess that was a poor intro because I'm about to take another segue. Um, I think it might be useful to just talk about space and the scale of things we're talking about because humans are really, really bad at envisioning super large numbers. Yeah. Like we can pretty much, you know, 10, obviously we got that hundred. We can pretty much visualize a couple thousand. You can see kind of fuzzy, but once you get past that, like you intellectually understand the number, but it's really hard to, to grasp, like really feel what that number just starts to all kind of blend together. Or when you start saying stuff like 10 to the power of 20 and stuff like that. Like, right. Like you don't appreciate how much bigger 10 to the power 20 is than 10 to the power 18. They sound pretty close, but one's a hundred times bigger than the other one. So the first thing you have to remember is that space is really, really big. Think of how big you think space is. It's bigger than that. And, and, (laughs) These are these are guesses of how big space is too, because nobody really knows 
like right the, the, the observable observable universe i guess you could say the observable universe which is the universe that is within our light cone 13.8 billion uh light years across um there but within that so if you looked out to the sky on a clear night you could see about 2500 stars all of those stars are within a thousand light years of us. That's about 1% of the diameter of the Milky Way. And so you can see 2,500. The Milky Way has between 100 and 400 billion stars. <whistles> so all of the stars you see on a nice clear night, that's 0.001% of all the stars there are in just our galaxy. Now, so for every. For every star in the night sky, there's a million other stars in our galaxy. And we're talking about stars here. So stars are suns, essentially, right? Yeah, our sun is one star. It's special because it's nearby. So in our galaxy, there's 100 to 400 billion stars. It just so happens that there's about as many galaxies in the universe as there are stars in our galaxy, about the same region. So, and each one of those, the Milky Way is kind of a middle band galaxy. So we're talking 10 to the 22 to 10 to the 24 stars in the universe. Now, you're getting into that scientific notation again, so that's 10 with 24 zeros behind it. That, just so it really comes home, that is about as large, maybe, and probably a little bit larger, than the number of grains of sand on all of the Earth's beaches. So for every grain of sand on every one of Earth's beaches, there is a star out there. That's a lot of stars. That is a lot of stars. Well, real quick, with with all the numbers being thrown around here, some people are visual. And there's a couple sources I would point people to that are readily accessible. One would be Cosmos, both Carl Sagan and Neil deGrasse Tyson's Cosmos. They do a really good breakdown of like, visualizing just how small we are. And then the other one is a a documentary called Hubble, which Leonardo DiCaprio um, narrated. And that came out in 2010. And that does an amazing job because it basically covers like what we actually started to see once the Hubble telescope started taking pictures and sending information, you know, to us. Right. Um, This might come as a surprise to people, but a hundred years ago, people believed that our galaxy was the only one. Yeah. That was the scientific consensus at the time. Well, that's the wonderful thing about Tiggers. <laughs> yeah, because they're the only one. They're the only so, one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, we just haven't been looking that long. Like, like it's crazy to it, it is it's crazy to me that, like, when my grandparents were born, people thought the Milky Way was it. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So what's going to happen when your grandkids are around? And they're like, damn, my grandfather thought there was only 10 to the 24 billion or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He he wasn't aware of the Mass Effect gates. Like, what was wrong with him? <laughs> and then you were talking about planets. So not every star necessarily has a planet. And we're actually still kind of in the infancy of detecting. They're called exoplanets. Exo meaning outside outside of our solar system. The first exoplanet wasn't discovered until 1992, and our techniques weren't very well developed for a while. Um, It wasn't until 2014, with thanks to the Kepler Space Telescope, that we really took off and started getting big quantities of them. Mm -hmm. To date, 
we're at about 4,100 confirmed exoplanets. And that's been enough to start making some kind of statistical observations. Obviously, it's still a very small sample size. So there's huge error bars on all of these estimates, but we can start making some kind of estimates. And based on our observations so far, according to the WN Keck Observatory, early indications are that roughly one in five sun-like stars in the galaxy have Earth-sized planets in their habitable zone. So let's break that down. First, sun-like stars. Um, Not all stars are sun-like. Some are much, much bigger, um, particularly if they're older. Uh, Some are smaller. Our sun is kind of on the small side. Um, And that has to do with the amount of heat they put out, what their spectral lines are, all that stuff. Not too important. The important thing is you need a sun kind of similar to our sun, we think, in order to have life. Because if it was too big, it wouldn't give off enough heat or, you know, whatever. Right. So, and if you're interested, the one in five number comes from prevalence of Earth-sized planets orbiting sun-like stars by Jeffrey Marcy et al. It's my favorite thing. Okay. So let, uh, we should explain what et al is to people who might not know. <laughs> uh, so et al, what does it stand for? Something in Latin. Uh, it's basically it? saying et cetera. I don't know. Um, I don't know what it stands for. Like it's an abbreviation of some Latin phrase, but basically it means and others. Right. So when uh, papers are often works of a lot of people, often too many to say conveniently if you're citing it or trying to speak it. So common practice is you'll say the first person or maybe a couple people on the paper and then say at al and the purpose is you give the name of the paper and a couple of the people on it that's enough for anyone who's interested to go find right it. otherwise sometimes you're listing off 10 to 20 names because a lot of people work on these papers right and so it's not intended to like slight anybody or keep give, not give them credit it's just a convenient shorthand way to quickly identify papers that's all so yeah, so uh, one in five sun-like stars in the galaxy, sun-like meaning they, they have a range. It's like within 500 Kelvin of the Earth. It, it's roughly equivalent to our sun. Um, and estimates range from between 5% to 15% of all stars are, quote, sun-like. So if you took the lower bound of 5%, um, then, your talk, then the last piece was habitable zone. So what does the habitable zone mean? So... The habitable zone is basically we know the conditions on which the earth was able to form life, uh, a biogenesis. You don't want to get in that right now, but the conditions for which life is on earth, we know what that is. And so we can extrapolate and say that this zone was conducive for life. And so if you take that and put that out in other places, like there's certain bands of galaxies that are basically where these stars would fall in and and be habitable for other planets to produce life potentially. Mainly when they talk about the habitable zone, the Goldilocks zone is another term for it. They mean the zone where, where water can be liquid on the surface. So if the planet is too far away, water would be ice. If it's too close, water would boil away. But if it's just right, like earth, then water could potentially exist in liquid form and life at least life as we know it seems to require water to get started um so 
that is not to say that every one of these stars is actually habitable. Just because they can have water on them doesn't mean they will. Um, a la Mars or Venus are both in the habitable zone but are not habitable at all. So they could have huge, super dense atmospheres like Venus does. They could have no magnetosphere like Mars. There's all kinds of things that would make them not actually habitable. But putting them in the right distance from their star at least gets them in the region. And some subset of those will supposedly, you would think, have the right subset, the right necessities for life. So let's put all those numbers together. There are 10 to the 22 stars in the universe. 5% of them are sun-like. According to the Keck Observatory's data, 22% of those have an Earth-sized star, Earth-sized planet, so it would be rocky, not a gas giant, um, an Earth-sized planet in the habitable zone. So with all those numbers together, that gives in the universe 1.1 times 10 to the 20 planets, Earth-sized planets in the habitable zone in the universe. That's 110 billion billion potentially habitable planets. Billion billion. Yes, 110 billion billion. Roughly one for every pinch of sand on all the Earth's beaches. Wow. Sand is going to come up a lot. (laughs) Because it's something we we can all like relate to. We've all had experience. So for every pinch of sand you could find on on the Earth's beaches, there is a hab- a potentially habitable planet somewhere in the universe for that. Wow! And that just really drives home just how many chances there are for life as we know it to potentially arise. So if you just throw some numbers at it, here we have to get completely. We, we have to stray into conjecture because. Like you alluded to, we don't have a great model for abiogenesis. Abiogenesis meaning um, life from non-life. So the first life, the first self-replicating thing that came out of the primordial soup or whatever. We have some ideas. There are some cool experiments that we won't get into. I'm sure we will on a like a creationist podcast at some point in the future. But um, in any case, if you say like... Uh, just throwing an easy number of 1%. If of all those potentially habitable planets, if 1% of them are actually ha- habitable in some fashion, so not like Venus, but more like Earth, and if on those only 1% of any kind of life develops, any kind, like single cell, any kind of life, and of those that have some kind of life, only 1% of those develop intelligent life, that is still 1.1 times 10 to the 14 or 110 million million planets with intelligent life somewhere on the universe. I I think we should reiterate that. That's 1% of 1% of 1%. That is a low percentage. Yeah. Of the planets with a, with um, in, in the habitable zone. So if you, to bring it back to sand, because again, that's something that we all can feel and touch. If you had a cube of sand, 25 meters to a side, that's like 75 feet by 75 feet by 75 feet. Big block of sand. Every single grain of sand in that block would be a planet with intelligent life on it in the universe, if those numbers are correct. And if you divide that out to just our galaxy, there'd be 1,100 planets with intelligent life in our galaxy alone. That's, that's pretty high odds. Well, now again, those numbers were completely subjective. They might be a lot lower, but even that number is point. Zero 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 one percent of stars in the galaxy. So not many. 
like you get 1100 even with that percentage of stars and just that kind of shows there are just so many right. stars like like a just mind-bendingly number hu- huge number of stars right. you know well that's because and we're just talking that's the galaxy like if you extrapolate that to the universe even if you were to go zero 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 one percent like if you doubled the you know you're still going to have potential planets out there with intelligent life or right you, so in the whole universe 10 to the 14 that's 10 that's a one with 14 zeros and that's using one percent at every step you could cut that to 0.1 percent a 0.01 percent or 0.001 percent you still have odds are with those odds somewhere in the universe there'd be someone with intelligent life right well i mean i think a, a common objection to that would be well this planet is special because mm-hmm. God made this planet and, you know, he made it exactly for us. And so this is the only planet where there's life. Like, yeah, that is a common objection that the, the rare earth hypothesis is a name that's sometimes in non religious circles put to it. I think that almost borders on an extraordinary claim because you're talking 1.1 times 10 to the 14th. That means the conditions on Earth, life would have to be so fragile that it could only exist on, I can't even imagine how infinitesimally small a fraction that would be. And I think if you observe life on Earth, it's very robust. If you look at where it develops on the ocean floor in uh in in the fumes or the the plumes on the on the ocean floor where the magma is like hitting the ocean, that intense heat to the tundra, like life, li- life finds a way to quote <laughs> yeah. Jurassic Park, you know. Life. Um, so it is, it is certainly possible that maybe there's something about life developing that makes it so it's so exceedingly rare. We're the only ones that that did it, and. If pressed, I would have to admit, I do not know that life exists out there. I don't know that. I can't claim that it does because I lack evidence for that claim. You know, I can't claim certainty. But what I can do is look at the odds and say, given the odds and the the understanding I have right now, it seems it seems overwhelmingly likely. Right. And this, too, yeah. is all based on the fact that we have a planet that we can observe that has life on it. So we have something to compare it to, right? Exactly. So we, we can look at the life, the planet we have now, and we can look at the things that life requires. It requires liquid water. It requires oxygen. It requires the presence of carbon, carbon, hydrogen, helium, nitrogen. nitrogen. Um, and then look at the universe at large and kind of, Ask the question, how common are these conditions? Before 1992, we didn't even know for certain that there were other planets out there, though we obviously suspected. Um, But uh, since then, all observations point towards more planets, not fewer. And the more we look, the more planets we find that are more similar to us. So um, you may have heard of the uh, mediocrity principle, or there's another term for it forget the other term 
But basically, unless you're given special evidence to the contrary, you should assume that you're mediocre. You're average, because mm-hmm. most things are going to be average. So just by that principle, you would expect it would be strange if we were the one in 1.1 times 10 to the 14th chance, you know? Right. And granted there would be a self-selection effect because if we were somehow that in either case, our observations would be identical. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the sticking point. Well, so how does this compare to the, the God hypothesis then? Like, what makes this claim different than saying, you know, the odds of there being a God? So we are dealing with a ton of uncertainty when we're talking about life outside of Earth. But we do have a sample size. Granted, it's a sample size of one. So it's not awesome. But one is a far cry from zero. So we have a planet where life has evolved. Um so we know for a fact that it is possible for life to evolve on a planet. Right. Give now, given that once it's happened once, that means that there's at least some chance that it could happen again. It may be such an exceedingly small chance that it did not in fact happen, but we know that the chance has to be greater than zero. It has to be possible because we can observe it. The fact that, that we are here to make that question shows that that's true. And so I think it's important to drive home this fact that the chances may be so astronomically small, but we're dealing in astronomical numbers here. So the chances of it happening again are astronomical. Like it's just, it's, it goes back to conceiving of the numbers. I like the, the idea that you put forward about the box of sand, 25 meters, you know, even with those such low chances, you'd still get that many planets in a habitable zone uh, that could produce life. Like that's a lot of planets. Right. But then going to the God side, we have no example unless you already accept that God exists, in which case you're not going to ask the question anyway. So if you don't come to the table with that belief already, then there are zero examples of an omnipotent omnipresent immaterial spiritual being so no matter how big the universe is you can't extrapolate from what we know and say well the universe is so big there has to be a god somewhere because there's no precedent no physical mechanism by which to get to god it'd be like um it would be extremely rare or extremely unlikely for you to roll a pair of dice and get the number 12 a thousand times in a row, right? Right. Extre- extremely unlikely. But if you rolled enough, it would happen. You know? Yeah. It, it, it may take a long time, but if you rolled 1.1 times 10 to the 14 times, I guarantee you there'd be a sequence of 12 12 in, there, 12s in yeah. there. Or 12. However, yeah. there will be precisely zero thir- 13s if they're too excited <laughs> to die. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's just not possible. So we have a demonstration that life, material life that evolves is possible. There is no demonstration that a supernatural being is possible. And so if something has a 0% chance of happening, you can give it as many chances as you like. It'll still be zero. So, yeah. So uh, I think we've 
Pete and why I think, do you, do you agree? There's probably aliens out there somewhere. I guess I've never asked you. Yeah. I, I don't know if I necessarily um, would say, I believe there's aliens out there. Um, but I guess, I guess if you stuck me in like the fire and said, make a choice, I would say, yeah, I, there's probably aliens out there, but what, yeah. I mean, I'm not very confident in it because I have very little information to go off of, but a hundred percent of the information I have, well, maybe not a hundred cause we haven't seen any signals, but the preponderance of evidence I do have is pointing me towards strongly towards there being aliens, but I just don't have very much, right. and- you know? I would say my only hesitance is in saying that I believe there's aliens out there is because I find it so hard to grasp these big numbers, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it, we can say big numbers and stuff, but like, it doesn't like, it doesn't compute in my brain to be able to get a handle on how big and how many numbers and planets we're talking about. And so like, I understand that the probability is fairly high that there's probably, you know, extraterrestrial life, but I'm being a nuclear engineer. I'm used to working with large numbers, like large numbers of atoms. So I just kind of, my brain has just gotten beaten down to just accepting whatever the math tells me, you right. know? So I don't have as much problem with, yeah, I can't visualize what 10 to the 22 looks any more than anyone else can, but I can accept that my math is good. Right. Um, so, so I, I wouldn't say I know I, I'm not making any kind of knowledge claim because that would be insane. Yeah. But there's a difference between saying, even if I said, I believe there's aliens out there, there's a difference between saying that and saying, I believe aliens are out there and they visit us all the time and take us up in a spaceship and put probes up our butts. Right. Yeah, that is that's a huge, huge, huge difference. Like <laughs> it's uh, because the the technology that they would need to cross interstellar space, um, the, the why the hell would they want to come here to begin with? You know, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, th- those are very different claims. Um, and I've also gotten the uh, question of, well, isn't that basically faith? You don't have evidence for aliens, but you believe it again. But again, I'm not. I'm not saying I believe in aliens, even though there's no evidence for them. I'm looking at the evidence and saying, okay, things are pointing in that direction. So, all right. Right. Until more evidence comes, you know, if, if we, I don't know if, if it turned out there had to be like a particle of unobtainium in order to start life. And there was only one, well, you know, (laughs) all right, sure. Another question I've gotten is, well, we haven't observed life. We've looked and looked and looked and we haven't seen anything. So doesn't that show that we're rare, you know? But we've only been looking for like 30 years. I mean, right. And <laughs> yeah, if you you can look um there's there's a fantastic article that we're going to allude to throughout this conversation by a wait but why? Wait but why? Um on the Fermi paradox, Fermi F E R M I. We should probably since this is kind of touching into that, we should probably explain what that is. So the Fermi paradox is named after a scientist. His name, I think, was Ermo or something, something Fermi. Uh, it was en- Enrico. Enrico. Mm-hmm. A physicist by the name of Fermi, who the paradox is named after, and he looked at the same calculations we just talked about. How many 
billions and billions of planet of planets there are and just throwing some numbers at the problem how many uh life forms there should be and then looked at the length of time that life could have been around so earth was is about 4.5 billion years old but the universe itself is what is it 13.8 billion years Uh so obviously planets couldn't have existed for some period of time before then you would have need needed to get to the second generation of stars in order to have produce some heavy metals and things like that but you could have a, a planet that was came 8 billion years ago and that if life started on that planet life would have had 4 billion years to evolve so given how many amazing this just amazing number of planets there are and how much further ahead in evolution other planets could be you would expect to look out and just see a universe teeming with life right with all these numbers but obviously we don't so the fermi paradox is well why not so basically there's there's two groups of solutions to the fermi paradox because it's a binary either there are intelligent civilizations out there or there are not right so all solutions are going to fall into one of those two camps and um one solution to that is that there is intelligent life out there but we just don't observe them for whatever reason um because the universe is a big place Right. That's probably my favorite um, explanation. The reason that I am reasonably confident there's alien life out there is the exact same reason I'm reasonably confident we will never, ever find it. There are, the, the universe is huge. It's fucking like, huge. Huge. And so it's so big that life, it seems to me, almost certainly evolves somewhere else. But it's so big that the chances of us finding it is tiny. It's like you've got this mountain of needles and so one of them is gold, you know, or say 0.1% of all needles are made of pure gold and you have this mountain needles. Well, somewhere in there, there's a golden needle, but you're never going to freaking find it. (laughs) And if you do, you're lucky. (laughs) Yeah. Right. The the chances of, of you finding it are small. Yeah. Um, um, the other, so one of the other things I heard one time was, um, and this really struck me, it was like, so you were talking about the Fermi paradox earlier mm-hmm. and how there was a planet out there who 8 billion years old with 4 billion extra years of evolution on it. Imagine the technological advances in the life forms that could have formed during that time. And imagine they came to Earth and they had the technology to not be seen by us, right? And they look and, at Earth. Anyone four billion years ahead of us would be able to do whatever the fuck they want. Right. And they look at Earth and they see us down here and they just don't give a shit about us. Like we may look like ants to them. And do you ever right. stop and think about ants? No, you don't think about ants, but like maybe that's what we look like to these other alien life forms and they're just not interested in us. Like which I think that is my favorite solution to the Fermi paradox because it plays into the mediocrity principle, you know, right. We are not that special. And yeah, if it's, uh, if when Christopher Columbus came to the new world, 
he certainly passed an ant colony. Did he stop and like try to teach the ants a better way? Did he did he go out of his way and like collect some ants and experiment on them? Or were the ants just so completely <laughs> beneath his notice that he wouldn't have even noticed if he stepped on them because right. they're just like so far beneath him. They literally weren't even worth looking at. Right. And while that's a little bit humbling to us, we don't like thinking because we know we're special. We have yeah. rock music and video games. Like, yeah, it would, the distance between us at that point, the alien, like they would have technology indistinguishable from magic, you know? Right. Exactly, yeah, and so maybe all these miracles that we experience are actually just alien technology. Who knows? Um, yes, I'd probably believe that before I believed it was a god, because right. at least aliens probably exist. So, anyways, um, <laughs> yes, that's one solution. They're so far advanced, they just wouldn't care about us. Another solution that's a little bit scarier is kind of the Mass Effect solution, Um I'm not talking the solution that has a really terrible ending. You're talking about the video uh, game? <laughs> yeah, the video game. Sorry. It's a video game, um, which is absolutely amazing until the last five minutes. So basically Game of Thrones. It's the Game of Thrones of video games. Yeah. Um, but maybe there's like a super scary predator civilization. Like somebody got to the top first. You know, that planet that got four billion years on us, they got there first. And they do what we would do if we were in that position because we're murdering assholes. And we have a history of doing that. Exactly. We have a history of killing the ever-living fuck out of whatever stands in our way. If we got there, like, it's funny, humans have this image of ourselves, like, oh, we're so nice, and, you know, we put the, the, the animals in zoos and treat them nice. The instant a chimpanzee figures out how to make a weapon is the day we go on a purge and kill every <laughs> ape on the planet. Exactly. Like, <laughs> By that like, point, it's too late, though. Yeah. I watched Planet, Planet of the Apes, yeah. <laughs> right. So maybe there's like this crazy advanced predator civilization and they and other civilizations that aren't them know better than to advertise their position. Like, they look at us like we're stupid because we're just like yelling out into the world and the predators are going to come kill us kind of like the Savannah, but on a mm-hmm. galactic scale. Um, and it, what, of course I would beg the question, why haven't they killed us yet? Well, again, they're rock we're just hopping. a bunch of, yeah, we're just a bunch of, you know, apes on this rock. We're not, we're beneath their notice. We're just not worth killing yet. Or the more scary thought is we're next on their list. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Well, it's like, uh, I think it was Stephen Hawking, I believe. Stephen Hawking um, was sometimes asked what his thoughts were on aliens, and he was very hesitant to go into the um, Medi as opposed to SETI. So SETI is the search for search for extraterrestrial intelligence. intelligence. Medi is the is messaging, so like broadcasting specifically. And he was very concerned about doing that because even though, um, like Carl Sagan, thought that any um, intelligence sufficiently advanced to be a threat to us on a interstellar scale would be so advanced they wouldn't be aggressive he felt that that's the way species would go stephen hawking said um that meeting aliens would basically be like as disruptive it would be like um columbus meeting the native americans for the first time and you may recall that didn't go well for the natives (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and I'm proud to be an American. 
Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Another example of a solution is kind of, again, turning on our hubris, that there's plenty of noise going out there, but we just don't detect it because we're not advanced enough. It would be like an ant crawling around and being like, well, I've searched this whole house and there's no pheromone trails, so there's clearly no intelligence here. Right. You know, or you walk into uh, the one that Wait But Why uses is you walk into an office building, but no one's you don't hear anything on your walkie talkie. So there clearly is no messaging going on. (laughs) But of course, everyone's using cell phones. Right. The other side of the Fermi paradox would be there are no other civilizations. And basically, proponents of this call it the great filter that there's some even though it's there's so many chances there's some event that's so extremely difficult for life to get past that almost no one does um so i really like the way wait but why describes it so there's only three scenarios then we're rare we're first or we're fucked (laughs) so either we're rare in which case the great filter is behind us hooray we made it and that's why we don't see anybody else because everybody else didn't make it you know or there's like one or two else out there, and at that point, yeah. yeah. But they're like on another galaxy, yeah. far, far away, Star Wars style. Like they're yeah. so far away, we'll never detect them, you know. Or we're the first ones. So like maybe there isn't a great filter, but perhaps there was some kind of feature of the universe that was so inhospitable for life. Like maybe there were just gamma ray bursts everywhere, or I don't know, something crazy, something about the early universe that just killed life all the time, and it's just now subsided. So all life is kind of start. So we don't have that 8 billion year old planet. Everyone's kind of starting at the same point. So everyone's about the same. Or starting just a little bit behind us. Or starting just a little bit behind us. Right. However, I think those are both kind of wishful thinking. If no aliens exist, I prefer the great filter is ahead of us and we're boned. Because that is more likely, right? You're far more likely to be the one who didn't make it. Uh, so maybe it's the development of nuclear weapons or maybe it's climate change or whatever it is, but um, there's only so many candidates for a great filter event. And it could have been like the jump from single cell to multicellular organisms, or maybe it's like, um, maybe it's like social species. I don't know. There's a lot of different candidates, but basically it has to be something that's extremely rare. And, Perhaps that's waiting to crush us in the distance. Of the three, I think that's the most likely. So with all that being said, um, what do we do with these claims uh, of alien abductions, UFO sightings? If the chances are so rare, you know, why do we have all these claims? So I think you have to split it into two pieces. So in order for aliens to be visiting Earth and abducting people and probing butts, um, you'd need two things. First of all, you'd need aliens, right? That would be a requirement. And they'd have to be here and want to probe butts, I guess, three things. So... Wait, I think probing butts is a given, right? Like, that's... I mean, if I was an alien, that's what I would do with my (laughs) omnipotent technology. Okay. (laughs) Just want to make sure that's clear. (laughs) Right. Uh, so the prior of aliens wanting to probe butts is, is one. One, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 100%. Uh, anyways, in fact, I think that's the only reason they came here. Like, maybe they don't have butts on their yeah. world. We're the only planet that has butts. Like, <laughs> Right. 
so anyways, um, yeah, so you'd have to just look at the evidence like any other claim and ask yourself, what's more likely? Like, you can always fit the evidence you observe to whatever your favorite hypothesis is. So because aliens have essentially magic powers, because they're so hyper-advanced, you can basically give them any... They're like the Superman of hypotheses. You can just put whatever you want to them. They have teleporters and cloaking devices and tractor beams and whatever else you want, you know. So you'll be able to fit any kind of sack of evidence to fit aliens if you want. But is it more likely that aliens who are potentially thousands of light years away have developed the technology, exist at the same time we do, know we're here, traveled all that way, and abducted some farmer in the middle of Idaho? Or is it more likely that that farmer is delusional or lying or was lying at one point and has come to believe his lie or whatever? Like, which is more likely? Right. We don't know for a fact that aliens exist, though I think they probably do. We don't know for a fact that they're close enough to visit here. We don't know for a fact that they have this technology. But we do know for a fact that people make shit up all the time. That they do. Make America great again. I wonder what the Venn diagram is. Like, what's the what's the overlap between abduction victims and Trump supporters? One. <laughs> Every single Trump supporter. That's, that's that's it. That's what that explains it. Finally, I've always I've wondered what could possibly have happened to make our country into what it is, and that's it. Aliens. Well, we got it. Yeah, problem <clears throat> solved. Yeah, so you just kind of have to take a step back and look at the prior probabilities. Assign a very low prior probability to aliens visiting here because it's an extraordinary claim. Even if aliens exist, you're having to invent all kinds of things. Give to give them capabilities that we don't know actually exist. You have to hypothesize a lot of things, but you don't have to do that to think it was the guy's lying or high or whatever. Right. And that's exacerbated, like you mentioned before, usually, not always, there are some examples of groups, but usually it's a per- one person, usually they're alone. It often happens right after there's like an alien movie, right? like just got released. Well, I think it's it's also interesting, too, to look at the history of alien abductions. Like alien abduction claims didn't really start being popular until the mid to late 50s, and what else was going on in the mid to late fifties? I mean, we had the start of the cold war. You had technological advances within our own U S military. Um, and so you had the, uh, the nuclear scare, basically you had all these movies coming out about, you know, nuclear mutations and all this stuff, which I think compounded into like mass hysteria, basically. Yeah, and I think um, they either happened right at the same time, but um, or one came right after the other. But Outer Limits and Twi- or Twilight Zone featured in like you can look at maybe alien abductions happened before they showed it, 
but like they show an episode showing aliens as like the gray man with the big eyes and suddenly that's what everyone who's abducted starts seeing right. you know um but i think it's also alien abduction claims like if if you actually look at them they they all have you know several things in common which we we hit on already but they are not substantiated by evidence they are merely claims mm-hmm. and as skeptics what do we do when somebody claims something but has no evidence to back it up you always start from a position of skepticism meaning you don't believe them right you, know? you were abducted by aliens great what's your evidence you don't have any well then i don't believe you then you know? great story <laughs> yeah. sorry about your butt awesome. but <laughs> yeah <laughs> you lost time and your broken watch and all that molder but uh have you ever been uh, abducted by aliens no uh, i've never been abducted by aliens but i was a kid was infatuated with aliens and alien abductions the Started with probably um, uh, Mulder and Scully, uh, you know, Unsolved Mysteries. I used to watch the crap out of Unsolved Mysteries. And I just, they made it seem so real. Like they presented it as this is what it was. And I remember the first movie I saw was called Fire in the Sky. I don't know if you've ever seen that. No, I have not. So this is actually one of, this is based on one of the most, credible quotation marks alien abduction stories about some i guess they were loggers or lumberjacks or i don't know what you call them but they were out in the woods driving and they saw this bright light out in the middle of the woods and of course they stopped and they go to check it out well this light starts to shine bright and one of the guys they start to run away but one of the guys stays behind and then the rest of them just left him there, and then this guy doesn't show back up for a couple of weeks. And so this this movie's based on his experience. But um so like even that, like the claims that these people are making are based on one guy, and the rest of them saw something, but they're not sure what it was. But that one really <laughs> freaked me out. If you haven't watched that movie, I highly recommend it. It's it's a good one. Wouldn't it be cool? Well, I guess it would be both cool and terrifying. I wonder if what would happen if like we found life, what would happen in religious communities? Yeah. I mean, that would be interesting because, you know, they've built this idea that the earth is special, like creation and we are unique. And especially in the intelligence design community, like, uh, you know, they talk about the chances of life and all this stuff, but I think they would just figure out a way to explain it away. Like they would say, well, that is just another creation that God made right. different, you know, but it's still part of God's creation or something like that. It just shows God's abundant creation right. or whatever. I think that would work fine as long as what we found was like moss or, you know, some like subterranean fish. I think that it wouldn't work so well if we found intelligent life that didn't believe in Jesus. Hmm. I don't know, man. I, I think it. I think it would because even even if you look at Christians today, we're talking about Jesus, obviously, but they the way they explain away, you know, tribes in the Amazon who have never heard the word of Jesus, like 
think it would just be like part of the great they'd be commission. part of the great commission like, now we have to proselytize to these aliens and teach them about the good news like well that's when you put on your crusader hat and you convert them deus volt <laughs> god wills it <laughs> that's why they haven't contacted <laughs> like, us these people are crazy <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, here's the flip side. Let's say we did discover alien life, and they were Christian. Okay. If that happened, I would have I to really that... consider my stance on Christianity <laughs> that, at that point. Yeah. That would really make me stop and think. Like, like that might do it. That I guess I'd have to examine, like, maybe they're just, like, galactic pranksters, and they're just, like... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. That <laughs> might be more probable, actually. <laughs> like, dude, 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 just just play along. Just... <laughs> now, are they Christian in the same... Like, they had their own unique Jesus on their own planet that died and was raised from the dead? Or are they Christian and they knew about our Jesus, like... I'd say probably it would be like their own Jesus. If I had to guess, like, like Jesus sent one representative to every planet because he'd want to approach them, you know, in, in the way that would be best. I'm trying to put on my Christian hat here. The best way that would like work. For so them, how do you know? explain, is the Trinity now like the Trinbillion-y? Like, is it just massive? <clears throat> oh no, it's the same Jesus, man, <laughs> but he doesn't have like, he's not restrained to, to material form. Okay, so he just know? like, he's planet hopping, like, that's why he came, you know, 2,000 years ago, because he had other planets to go visit. Yeah, he was busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a shitty job, man. Your job is to go to planets and die. <laughs> this job fucking sucks. <laughs> But that that would make me. You guys crucify with fire? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> what a messed up world! Right, so when we started this podcast off, we said we were only going to piss off extraterrestrials. <laughs> False. False. <laughs> uh, oh god, that would be the worst. But if that happened, I would I would have to really consider my my belief system again. <clears throat> yeah, I'd say that would be some very compelling evidence for a deity. I, I guess another thing I'd have to look at is like, is it actually Jesus or is it just some kind of vaguely similar religion? Mm-hmm. Because it may be that religion, like the advantages that religion confers are like a convergent evolution right. it's just, thing. It's just what we do so like, is, is part of societal evolution. Like we just create these things. though, Right. So, in conclusion, space is really big, so aliens probably exist, but if they did exist, they probably have no interest in you, because you're not special. We are mediocre. Right. I think that's, if you listen to nothing else I tell you today, I want you to really absorb the fact that you are not special in any way. Wait. No matter what your mother tells you. All right, so that's about all we've got to say on aliens and the Fermi paradox and probing butts and all that good stuff. Thanks for hanging with us. Um, as always, if you think we're completely off base or you have some more evidence you'd like to add or any comments, definitely leave it on uh, Facebook. I monitor that page, and now Jared will too. So um, 
throw out whatever thoughts you have. We'd love to hear them. Um, if you want to hear more of what we've got to say, you can get the page a like and it'll let you know when we post new stuff. So yeah, uh, till do we know what we're doing next time? Um, we don't know what we're doing next time. What do you want to do next time? I don't know. We'll think about it. If the if there are any topics that you think would be interesting for us to hit, or any claims you've heard, or videos that your creationist Nazi friend sent you that you'd like us to debunk, just shoot them our way and we'll uh, fit it in. And until next time, remember, you've always got reason to doubt. This is kind of an aside, but um, have you heard my my uh, evaluation of the movie Battleship? Battleship. Oh, is that the one where the aliens come and they fight the Navy? Yeah. No, I haven't heard your yeah. evaluation of it, though. Okay. All right. Let me stop recording. Well, I'll record it in case something yeah. funny comes up. So, Battleship. So, like, the, the version everyone saw, the shitty version, is aliens come... And they fight the Navy, and the Navy beats them with this old battleship or whatever. And they're like throwing like the little the torpedoes mm-hmm. that are shaped like the pegs you played in Battleship, like stupid movie. But there is a genius script buried in this movie. And it only works if you view the humans as the bad guys. Hmm. So, recap everything from the alien's point of view. We send this signal out into space, this tight beam. Almost immediately, the aliens receive it and send a signal back, right? And then they show up with three ships. On the way down, one of their ships hits, like, satellite or space debris or something and gets blown up or doesn't land, okay? Gets disabled. Then they land. You find out later that ship was the communication ship, okay? So what do the aliens do when they get to Earth? They land in the ocean. Unwittingly, they landed in the middle of a military exercise, but they had no way to know that. They set up a shield and just sit there. They, they're not aggressive in any way. They're just sit, they're, they don't have comms with hire. Probably their leadership was on the communication ship, right? So they're just like, okay, we'll just hold tight here. Some of the ships, as you remember, were caught in the thing, but they don't attack them unless the ships attack the aliens, right? right? As soon as the ships attack the aliens, the aliens give warning shots... And only under repeated aggression do they shoot to kill. And the instant the human ships stop attacking, the aliens stop attacking. Okay? So that's a military who's like, we don't know what to do. Our mission is on hold now. We just need to hold tight and wait for orders, right? Then, when that doesn't work, they're like, okay, we have to get comms back to hire. So they what do they antenna. do? They go, to, they go to Hawaii. They stand it like, okay, there's the commo. You can see them, like, we even see it from their point of view very briefly, where they're, like, scanning the city. They target not the whole fucking city. They only hit the roads leading to the place where they need to secure. They kill the absolute minimum number of people they can. They even specifically don't kill that kid on the baseball field, remember? remember that. Right. They just see him. They hold fire, and they leave. They secure the, the satellite post, and they're trying to get a message back to, to home base. Meanwhile, the fucking savages that we are are just throwing ourselves at these guys. Everything we fucking have until finally they're like, fuck it. Fuck this planet. We're (laughs) We're gone. (laughs) Yeah. So like it's like we landed on like an island and we had an interpreter. 
but the interpreter like drowned on the way to the beach. And so we're like, okay, we know we don't speak your language, but it's all right. We're here in peace. Oh God, they <laughs> shot Bill. Just calm down. Just calm down. We're here. All right. Fuck it. Fuck it. Get back on the boat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've never thought about it from yeah. that point of view, but that's very apropos. If you watch it with that, with that point of view, it's actually a good movie, but you have to watch oh. it with that frame of mind. Yeah. I didn't think it was a very good movie, but I'm gonna have to watch it again now. <laughs>